Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. Today's guest is current head coach of the College of Staten Island women's soccer team, Jackie Bruno. Jackie, thank you for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, pardon my little bit of a raspy voice. I yell at people all day long, um, so forgive me on that. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I like yelling, too. But, um, yeah, so, so thank you for coming on. So first, uh, Jackie, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your playing career in college and then your professional playing career after college? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I played at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, and it was an absolute blast. Um, getting there was a little bit of a rocky road. And even the first year, I'm sure if you have, uh, any, you know, freshmen that listen to this at all, the first year can definitely be the toughest. Um, I played on a small club my whole life and I don't think I was necessarily prepped, um, properly for, uh, the jump from club in high school to, to college. But, um, luckily I had, uh, an amazing support staff at UMass, um, and the team itself, you know, I was blessed to have such a wonderful group of girls around me to make the transition a little bit easier, but it was definitely, definitely, you know, so physically demanding right from the get go. Um, but it's a great experience, you know, being with them, being able to travel all the time, travel all over the world. We played some, played at some really cool places. Like I got to play at Texas A&M, uh, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech. So, uh, playing in front of big crowds like that was, was, uh, an absolute blast. And, yeah, um, I'm... yeah. No, um, was, um, yeah, you know, continue. So, so real quickly though, let's, um, so what do you think it is or what, what was it that, you know, why didn't you feel so prepared moving from club to the, the high level of soccer? And what do you think coaches and players can do now to kind of, to make sure that they're ready for that jump. It was very weird because I actually played for a division one coach, uh, throughout my club career. So you would think that, you know, they would have given <laughs> us the tools to, um, you know, be ready for such a huge jump, the physicality of it all. Um, but unfortunately was uh, not, um, I think I ran a total of, you know, two miles collectively, um, once before I got to college. Um, so I did not realize like how much you have to pay attention to, you know, incorporating fitness testing or just fitness in general in your pretty much, you know, daily training routine. Um, I never really private trained on my own, which something I wish, I don't know if I didn't have the resources to give me that option. Um, I feel like that's definitely changed a lot in the past couple of years. There's definitely a lot um, more access to private trainers or even, you know, like what you do via Instagram, just posting your videos mm-hmm. and things like that. Kids can pick up, um, on a lot more. So I think the access to the information, um, is a lot easier for them to take a hold of. But at the same time, if you don't have, you know, that support system, you know, your club staff, your high school staff in your corner that is a little bit knowledgeable about the collegiate game, you don't really, um, you know, always know what you're getting yourself into. Um, so I definitely recommend for any high school players, if they have any interest in playing in college, like reach out to anybody and everyone, like exhaust your resources, anybody that you know that played the college game or coached or, you know, someone's cousin's cousin, friend of a friend, mm-hmm. you know, exhaust that resource, ask them, um, try and get a vibe of, you know, what to expect, um, and how to prepare for it. Um, was able to assimilate. Um, but I think I could have had a lot easier of a path, um, if I was ready for it when I went in, um, you know, you can never feel prepared. You never feel prepared when you enter preseason, but you know, there's a level 
<laughs> right. For sure. No, no, no. And I, and I love what you said about the, the resources because I think that's very important too, just to hear different perspectives because, you know, one person is going to have, think it was the easiest thing ever. One person is going to say it's the hardest thing ever. So, you know, the, the more you hear and the more people you talk to, at least you can have a, a better feel. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you're still, there's still going to be some level that you're not prepared for and something that you're not going to be prepared for. But, you know, again, if you're at least hearing what most of it will be like, you know, you're, you're as prepared as possible and then everything else would just come to. But, um, when you, when you decided to play professionally, what was it like? being an American going over to a foreign country and trying to kind of make your way as a professional soccer player overseas? Um, it was a, a little bit scary, to be completely honest. You know, you're kind of uprooting your life that you've known for, for so long to go move to a foreign country where you don't know anybody and you don't speak the language. Um, but um, it's definitely a hard path to make it in America without having some sort of um, professional years underneath your belt. If you did not go to, you know, any of these top colleges, obviously girls, they make it work. Um, but more often than not, the way it works in America, for whatever reason, uh, you got to ship, uh, abroad for, um, at least a season or two, uh, kind of make a name for yourself and then work your way back here. But, um, I was playing in, you know, like the semi pro leagues, uh, here in America, the UWS. United Women's Soccer, um, mm. and had a decent career here. Um, but I, you know, tried out for Sky Blue. I made the preseason roster one year, but, um, that was another jump that I wasn't necessarily ready for the physicality, the speed of play, um, and things like that. So even, you know, going over to Europe was, um, hopefully gonna allow me to experience, um, those settings a little bit more. There, there's always a gap between, you know, like I said, like high school and college and then semi pro and pro. Um, I was fortunate enough to have one friend that was on the team and she was kind of my connect, um, to get me over there. Um, so that was a blessing that I, at least I had one other, um, American right. with me who was actually, you know, pretty decent friends with. Um, so that was, you know, uh, a, a pretty simple, um, path for me to get over there because I had her. Um, but I know that sometimes it can't always be that easy. Um, but same thing, like exhausting your resources. Um, you right. know, when right. you know someone who went over there and you kind of got to make it work. Um, you know, you have your highlight tape, uh, you have your soccer resume and, you know, hope for the best. So Jackie, so when you decided that it was time to end your pro career, did you already know that coaching was going to be your next path or did you kind of just fall into it? You know, how did you decide to enter the, the coaching realm? I always thought that that was what I was going to do. Um, I was a private trainer since the time that I was 15. Um, it's hard when you're, um, you know, playing competitively, always at practice, always at games, always traveling to tournaments to maintain any sort of normal job when you're in high school and in college. Um, so my part-time gig was always just getting involved um, and coaching some youth teams, whether it was, you know, groups, small groups or, or privately, individually. Um, and I kind of just maintained that throughout college. And then I, after my graduation, I, um, was fortunate enough to be given a, um, shot at being a graduate assistant at Wagner college. Um, so that experience also definitely, you know, continued to push me in that direction of this is what I wanted to do. I loved my staff. The girls were amazing. I was fortunate enough, like in the role that I was in to be able to do a lot of observing of the way th things are run, how sessions are planned, how, a coach manages their team and the admin side 
um, that goes in with recruiting, you know, travel accommodations, everything with the NCAA and compliance and things like that. Um, so that was a great learning experience for me and kind of cemented that I knew that that was what I was going to do. Being able to, you know, get so close with such a, a great group of girls uh, really made me feel like that was um, what I was supposed to do. Uh, but for a brief period of time, as I was continuing to uh, pursue my professional career, um, after I, I tore my ACL when I was playing professionally, and, and that's where I decided to call it quits, uh, I caught in my head like, soccer is not it for me. All I do mm -hmm. is love it. And my journey has been so hard. Why are all these things happening to me around soccer? Um, and after I, I did my knee, I just had such a bad taste in my mouth. And I actually stepped away from the game for, um, you know, three or four months. I got a real person right. job. I was working a nine to five in sales. And it literally only took me three months to realize, like, <laughs> what am I doing? This is not me. I am not cut out for this. Um, it was like, an identity loss that I had no idea that I was going to face. Everybody talks about it. Um, but I definitely, definitely felt like a piece of me was missing. Um, I wasn't challenged in that creative way of like designing sessions or picking apart game film. Um, and the thing that I missed the most was really being able to watch my players like grow in front of my eyes, um, building those relationships with them and maintaining them, um, watching the immediate impact of what I was doing, how it affected their lives and, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to find in a lot of career paths and sales was definitely not one of them. Um, right. so I definitely, um, you know, once I got back into coaching, I, it further cemented that like, this was my calling. This was what I was supposed to do. Um, and I, I'm so happy to be back. And I was fortunate enough to be given, um, a head coaching position, um, at the college of Staten Island, which is my hometown. So I feel like everything eventually came circle for full circle for me. Um, and even though COVID had cut my spring season short, um, it was a great experience so far. And I'm just really excited to get back, um, in the fall and see how that develops and, you know, hopefully win some stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So when you, you know, at first, I think everybody kind of steps away from the game for a brief period until they realize they miss it. And, you know, I know, I know I had that moment, you know, a few years ago and I was like, okay a real job isn't for me either. And mm -hmm. I just love the, like you mentioned, you know, the creativity, just being in that environment, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get that anywhere else. But when you were at Wagner, you know, what, what were some of the things that you really enjoyed learning from your head coach? You know, what do you think, I'm sorry, he or she did well in, you know, managing the team, running sessions and really just, um, you know, getting all the players to come together? Yeah. So at Wagner, it, it, it's, it's a difficult school to play at because most of the team is, um, going for either to be a physician's assistant or a nurse. And there are plenty of programs like that. You know, it's a very popular field for a lot of women to choose and mm -hmm. they want to be able to play at the same time. Um, there was that, there is that tricky line come like your junior and senior year when you're incorporating the clinical hours and things like that, that could kind of, um, you know, turn a lot, a girl, a lot of girls have to make that decision of whether they want to pursue their soccer experience or they want to pursue their career career that they know that they're going for. Um, and I think what um, my head coach said at the time was he, he didn't necessarily force those girls to make those decisions. He really did a great job of understanding that, yeah, maybe soccer isn't going to be your entire life, but it could still be a piece of your life right now. So we're going to do our best to allow you to have both of your passions. Um, and that's something that I, I, I really hope to, um, you know, bring to my, my squad coming up 
Uh, same thing at my school at the College of Staten Island. Nursing is is huge. I do have a lot of nursing majors on my team, um, and I just want to make sure that they're able to still be able to enjoy their soccer careers because this is who you are for, you know, the past 14 or so years of your life, and it's hard to just give up on that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to make sure that I, I allow them to, you know, pursue both their passions, their education, and their um, soccer experiences without, you know, having to sacrifice one or the other. Um, aside from that, he, I also felt as though, um, he did a great job of really listening to his assistants. Um, you know, I, there were two other, uh, females ahead of me, um, and they were very close with the girls and it was a, almost like a seamless transition of, you know, taking information and feedback from the players, us as like, you know, still relatively young female, uh, coaches interpreting how they were feeling. Um, us relaying it back to our head coach and him doing a, a pretty solid job of, you know, assimilating their opinions while still maintaining true to his coaching, um, you know, philosophies and, and his approach and things like that. So um, it was, um, you know, nice to see their voices heard and our voices heard and it reflect mm-hmm. um, in the programs. Those are two of the main, you know, takeaways that I've taken from this. And, you know, we, as coaches, we get so caught up in the wins and the losses, but you know, those aren't the things that you necessarily remember when you walk away. You know, I don't think right. we had the most, most stellar season when we were at Wagner, <laughs> but um, you know, the things that I take away and still I keep in touch with a lot of the girls, it was, it was the experience. Um, it was a very, you know, family oriented vibe. Everyone really, truly loved each other. Um, you came to practice with a smile on your face and you left practice with a smile on your face. So, um, you know, despite not having the most successful record, um, I feel like they all walked away with having a really positive co- collegiate soccer experience, which um, I know not everyone gets to say for yeah. sure. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with that. You know, a lot of people will always be like, oh, no, hated my coach, you know, this and that. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, for, for players to, to walk away and be like, you know, we maybe we didn't win, but at least, we, you know, we made lifelong friends and mm-hmm. had a family there. That, that's, that's an awesome thing to say. So what now, speaking of that, as you enter – into your new coaching gig as head coach in December. And like you mentioned before, COVID obviously cut out your spring season, you know, but what were, what were the first couple of things that you wanted to do in December and even leading into March to kind of make your presence felt and make sure the girls were, were comfortable with you as a head coach? Definitely. And it was even trickier of a transition because CSI was um, moving from D2 to, I mean, D3 to D2. Um, so right. aside from having a new coach being brought in, there was this whole big culture change around the entire athletic department. Um, and I went back and forth throughout like my, uh, hiring process. And, um, you know, I had a month or so, uh, before I actually started training, I was like, do I want to come in and be this, you know, D1 pro hardo that makes right. these kids <laughs> run fitness tests right from the get go or, and I'm going to like force kids out or, um, am I going to like you know, really focused on just getting a vibe of everyone, build a relationship first, um, and then let them know that, like, we we got to pick up um, right. a little bit more of our effort and commitment. So that was, and I feel still is, um, a, an internal battle that I have and something that I still need to, you know, I'll come into my own as a coach and I'll figure that out. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, we're just out here, you're like kicking balls in the sun, having fun, we're having a good time. And then other parts of me, I'm like, no, like we need to win. Like everything needs to be right, so serious. Right. And I'm sure, you know, most coaches do have these uh, internal battles, but, um, you know, between me and my assistant that I, I brought on staff with me, um, I think we managed to find a happy middle ground of, 
you know, letting the girls know, like, this is going to be a big transition for you as players, um, for your student athletes. Um, and we're going to do our best to make this journey as enjoyable and feasible for you as possible. But from up front, it's going to be a lot of hard work. Um, and believe it or not, you know, pretty much all of them were up for it. Um, in the first couple of weeks of training that we had, I'm pretty sure it was probably the hardest three weeks of training that they had ever had. Um, but at least they knew it was purposeful. They knew um, the plan that we had had as a staff. And, you know, we had set big goals for the girls. And um, they did a, an absolutely wonderful job of, of buying in and getting on board for it. Um, I think they were just very happy to be in an environment where they were going to be challenged. Um, but they knew that they were going to get better as individuals, as players, as humans. Um, so it was very, very unfortunate that it got cut so short. Um, but, you know, I still keep in contact with them on the regular uh, throughout COVID. You know, we were on Zoom once or twice a week. But same thing, trying to make it as fun as possible, um, you know, doing like Zoom talent shows and, and awards and, and stuff like that. Um, just trying to keep them engaged, trying to keep them to have fun, keep them having fun because, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, that's what they're going to remember. And soccer is like co collegiate soccer is more enjoyable when it's fun. And that's my belief as a coach is like you get more out of your players when they're happy. Um, so just doing my best to, you know, make sure that they're happy, but make sure right. that we're working hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So, you know, just touching on that a little bit, too, if you could dive into, you know, are there a couple of things like, you know, your coaching philosophy, your coaching style that you really want these kids to understand, you know, beyond the X's and O's, you know, what are, you know, what are a few things that, that you really want your, your kids to understand about you and, you know, what's that culture that you're trying to build? Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing for them is that they understand that I was in their shoes once. Um, I, I don't like to talk about myself in front of them, um, or, you know, really get too into my exact playing experiences and what my college life was like. But at the same time, I, I, I will throw little snippets at them saying, like, I know what it's like being a student athlete is not easy. Just reiterating that, you know, that I, I understand what they're going through, but they're going to turn into better people, um, you know, immediately right here as a student athlete. But these are also life lessons that you can take with you as, you know, you go into your actual career. I say it all the time. If they show up late for training, it's like, I'm not mad at you that you're late for training. I'm just letting you know that when you go to work and you're late, your boss is actually going to be mad at you and actually going to like hold that against you. Um, that, just yeah. trying to always give them those little snippets of, you know, soccer is a bigger reflection of, of life. Um, you know, the lessons that you learn here as a teammate, um, whether you're dealing with difficult personalities or people that you don't think are working up to your level or meeting their potential, these are all situations that you're going to have to encounter in, eventually and I don't think you get those types of working situations in in your normal collegiate life if you don't play a sport so just try and reiterate like everything that you're dealing with right here is just a reflection of something that you're going to have to deal with um you know when you get into the actual course of your life whether it be with um at work with your partner or with your kids or, or things like that um so on top of just you know trying to teach them like valuable life lessons um as players, like I want them to turn into better people. Um, and I think just me being able to empower them to like step into that role, um, either step into leadership roles or, you know, even step into a role just as a, as a positive teammate 
Um, just like all those little things, like you said, aside from the X's and O's, it's a lot of the psychology, a lot of the personality behind it that that's where a lot of the huge changes are made. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love it. And, you know, it definitely, any type of sport will teach you so many life lessons that you don't realize at the time, but, you know, years down the road, you, you'll get there and it, it'll all kind of hit home at some point. A hundred percent. I know they're cursing me under their breath all right. the time, but I know deep down that they're going to thank me later. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So a topic that really interests me, especially with new coaches, um, you know, stepping in is kind of finding some internal leadership because, mm-hmm. I mean, you were a captain. So, I mean, so talk about, you know, the importance of picking a good captain, kind of being an extension of the coaching staff. And how are you as a new coach going about selecting a captain? Or are you choosing a captain that's in place? You know, what, what are the pro, what's the process that you're using to determine that? It's definitely a difficult one to navigate. I often, you know, throughout my experience and even I was selected a captain as a junior and not that there was animosity from seniors, but, you know, just, the, um, you know, the stereotype that usually like the oldest person is the wisest and is the captain. Um, that's usually what you see that usually seniors are captains. Um, so stepping into a leadership role when I was a junior, um, was a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say a murky water because maybe it only was for like two or three weeks or so. And, you know, everyone kind of fell into place after that, but, um, it could be a difficult situation to navigate. But, um, me as an extension of my coaching staff, when I was a player, um, I think I exhibited the characteristics, characteristics that they wanted to see in the rest of the team. Um, I was super vocal. I knew how to like get the girls to rally together and, and come together as a group. And I felt as though I worked extremely hard. So I think those were the, you know, three main things that um, definitely cemented my role as a captain. But it doesn't mean I was in, uh, on the field for 90 minutes. I was not a 90-minute player. Um, I would, you know, play the first 30-so minutes of each half. Um, but then they knew that I was able to still communicate with my voice from, from the bench. Um, and that's something that I do think is important as I move forward. I don't necessarily need my most skillful and my 90 minute players to, um, be the only people I have as captains. Um, I definitely look for the people who know how to communicate with their teammates effectively, um, who know the difference between like critique and criticism, um, how to, and how to communicate that. Um, a lot of the times, especially with, uh, females, I hate to stereotype us, but we kind of get a little bit emotional, um, and be like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. Or, you know, you turn into a little bit of shell and you internalize everything. So having players that can communicate effectively and say, you know what, I know you made a mistake right here, but this is how we make it better. Instead of, you know, rolling their eyes, throwing their hands in the air, those little things is, is a huge thing that I look at. Um, and, and more often than not, it's, it's how vocal you are and, you know, your work rate. Um, those are the two most important things to me. Like I said, you don't have to be the one scoring bikes or playing 90 minute games. Um, it's more of a, um, like how you motivate your teammates, um, and how you can bring everyone together as a group, because, you know, there are 20 something girls of differing personalities and you do need those two or three players that are the glue, um, and could, you know, connect with everybody, reach out to everybody and get everyone to, you know, get on the same page. Um, so I have a, um, 
we haven't decided our captains or anything like that yet moving into the fall because we were with them so briefly in the spring. Um, so those decisions haven't been made, but we do have had plenty of players who I feel as though can, um, you know, step into that leadership role. It's just a matter of time until those things are actually cemented. Um, and, you know, there's no rush to it right now with the fall being canceled and everything. But um, our upperclassmen have definitely got, done a really good job of stepping into that uh, role right from the get-go, along with um, a few younger returners as well. So um, I, I've, I feel as though I have a pretty mature group of girls, um, which is very refreshing. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, who really, you know, takes it to the next level um, yeah. and really can step into that role. Right. No, I love that. And, and I think you touched on a very important part too, is just that communication aspect, you know, the, mm -hmm. the girl that's able to connect with, you know, each individual to understand, you know, what really is going on. I remember when I was playing, you know, our captain, when, when we won the championship, our conference championship was, I mean, he was that guy, like he, even though he, he didn't necessarily hang out with everybody in the group, he knew kind of how to handle each kind of, if you will, click, you know, how teams get a little bit clicky at times, mm -hmm. you know, but he knew how to handle everyone in, you know, I, I never even realized it until probably thinking about it over this quarantine, but how important and effective that that person is in, in leading a team. Definitely. But, and that's such a good point. Like, it doesn't need to be everybody's best friend, but mm -hmm. it needs to be the person who knows how to how to kind of manage all of the personalities coming into one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jackie, the we're going to wrap up here. And I have oh. one final question that, that I love to ask everyone. And that is... When you move on from your next coaching gig and, you know, you go from coaching gig and once you make it to head coach of the U.S. national team, what <laughs> is one or, you know, what is one or two, what are one or two things that you want your players and everyone you come in contact with to have said about you? You know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave as you, as you come in contact with people every day? Um, I definitely want them to remember me as someone who inspired and motivated them. Um, and someone who, one of those people that you look back on that was like a key person who, you know, flipped the switch in me and made me realize my true potential. Um, and you know, that she was a badass and she was super fun to be around. Sorry. This was the first time I cursed the entire time. I can't believe it anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, no, in all, all seriousness, like, I, I think you could kind of get a vibe just based on my, like how I approach my teams and things like that. Um, that I want my legacy to be, um, that, that Jackie Bruno as my coach made me a better person. I love that. I love that. Well, Jackie, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for coming on and best of luck to you in the future. I appreciate it. This was a blast. Thank you. Coming on and best of luck to you in the future.